Hello, friends. Austin here. As some of you know, we launched an Indiegogo campaign for my next short film, Spider. It's a fun creature feature, and I couldn't be more excited. I am the writer slash director on this, dipping into my own arachnophobia for it, and I have a great team joining me. It stars Spencer Madison, who's been killing it in the indie horror world with films like Wolf Hollow, Phantom Fun World, and The Demons Within. The spider effects are being built and puppeted by B-movie horror props, and they seriously look so cool. I'm so excited for this short, and you can help. We still got over 20 days, so please check out the Indiegogo page, contribute if you can, and share it with all of your spooky movie-loving friends. It would truly mean the world to me. I want to take the time to shout out everyone who's contributed in the campaign's first week. So thank you so much to Jake Lemelin, Adele Kasaborski, Sharon Dakoff, Adam Anderson, Anthony and Rochelle Bellomo, Tammy Sendry, Kelly Steck, Karen and Eric Dietz, Bill Vincent, Daniel Abentham, Anne-Marie and Joe Radowdy, Michael Brown, and Evan Jakovac. Thank you all so much for contributing to my creepy, crawly nightmare. Spiders. Why to have to be spiders? Now, it's time to talk about the horrors in the Indiana Jones franchise. Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. Have you ever felt a knife cut through human flesh and scrape the bone beneath? You're gonna need a bigger boat. Be my victim. Hello, my name is Austin Torres, and welcome to the Would You Die podcast, the show where we talk about our favorite horror monsters and villains. Today, I'm joined by a prolific film and television director. His directorial debut, Dog Soldiers, is personally one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, his film, The Descent, is one of the scariest films for me. I think it's one of the scariest films ever made, definitely of the past 20 years. He's made films like Doomsday, Centurion, Hellboy, The Reckoning, The Lair, as well as directing episodes of Game of Thrones, Hannibal, and Westworld. This guy's the real deal. And just like me, he's a super fan of Indiana Jones, probably a bigger fan, which I don't uh, I don't enjoy saying that bit. But game respect game. Please welcome Neil Marshall. Oh, thank you for having me. I don't know about a bigger fan, maybe like a longer fan, as in like I'm, <laughs> I, I'm maybe a fan longer than you. Maybe. Uh, I appreciate that. I'll take that. <laughs> this is primarily a horror movie podcast, but it's Indiana Jones week. This episode will come out before the new movie comes up uh, this Wednesday. We're recording on Saturday. It's going to come out this Wednesday. And I'm all I can think about right now is Indiana Jones. So, <laughs> yeah, another feeling. I've been rewatching the old movies again. I got the the you know, the, the the 4Ks, so I've been reviewing those movies again for the umpteenth time. And I've lost count of how many times I've seen Raiders at least, uh, certainly more than the others. But uh, you know, we're, we're talking into the hundreds for sure. You know, I've been watching it relentlessly since I was 11 years old. Um, and then, you know, Double of Doom and Last Crusades of, along with it, usually. So, yeah, definitely an indie fan. I love I'm very that. Excited. 
excited but cautiously optimistic for this week. Like I'm going to, I'm going to see it on Thursday. I'm seeing it on a, a, the the big IMAX screen in London. Oh yes. And um, uh, I, I don't want to get my hopes up too much because I don't want it to be crushed. Um, yeah. So I just want to stay cautiously optimistic and just hope that it's actually just a good movie in its own right. You know, and just just you know, it's it's never going to be Raiders. It's never going right. to be that experience again because even if it's even if it was as good as Raiders as a movie. Uh, I'm not the same. I was 11 years old when I fell in yeah. love with Raiders Lost Ark. You know, when I saw it for the first time, I'm not the same person. So it's never going to affect me in the same way. You know, so I, I, once once you accept that, it's kind of like, well, all I ask for now is just that it be a good movie, just that it be a solid, entertaining, good movie. And I want to hear the, the the Raiders march play, you know, big and loud uh, yes. at some point in the movie. Well, then I'll be happy. And they they're bringing back John Williams, so. I think well, isn't, uh, this his, good hands. Uh, isn't this his final score? Isn't I it, think it is. Therefore, all the more reason that he has to go out in style. And like, if that orchestra doesn't let rip with the Raiders March, <laughs> you know, at the end of the movie, then there's something seriously wrong. Oh, I agree. <laughs> I don't want him rethinking I... <laughs> it. I don't want it like on a piano played slowly. I don't want any of that crap. It's just like, I want the full on Raiders theme. Yes. It's got to be the March. It's got to be the trumpets. Yeah, I want to punch the A, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So at the very least, as long as we're entertained, they're playing the Raiders March, I think I think we'll enjoy it. I'm in the same camp as you. I think I'm a bit more optimistic, but at the same time, I know it's not going to be Raiders. I have no, <laughs> I well, no, no movies I mean, Raiders. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, nothing is. Not, not even Temple of Doom and Last Crusade or Raiders. It's like, you know, as good exactly. as they are, they ain't Raiders. So, um, yeah, we'll see about that. I'm curious to see if Mangold is going to kind of be willing to go a little bit dark with this. You know, has yeah. it been toned down a little bit? Because it's kind of what we're here to talk about is Raiders and Horror of, of how, you know, Spielberg with the first three films at least was prepared to go a little bit dark with um, how people met their demises in the movies. Uh, and, and that kind of got watered down a little bit with Crystal Skull, in fact, quite a lot with Crystal Skull. So I'm kind of worried that, that you know, in order to appeal to a maybe a younger or somewhat softer audience <laughs> than, <laughs> than we were when we were kids, of, of, uh, you know, a less resilient audience, perhaps, uh, that it would be somehow toned down, which I, I, is like part of what made Raiders and the whole Indiana Jones saga for me was the fact that it did go... A little bit dark sometimes that that you know, people met grisly ends and you know, oh, yeah. certainly in raiders definitely in temple of doom and a little bit at the end of last crusade but you know yeah. to a point but yeah that's what's that's what we love about it <laughs> and i know james mangold his work he's not afraid to go there so i'm hoping mm -hmm. they let him because he's made some grisly pictures too um not quite not quite like yeah, raiders he though no, he didn't hold back on logan you know right so you know that got, that was nice and bloody toward the end um, <laughs> yeah but um you know some of the the tropes um that spielberg implemented for those movies of like i mean raiders as you know guy impaled on spikes a uh, guy yep. chopped up in a propeller um a guy's face melts and a guy's head explodes uh somebody gets run over by a truck um <laughs> you know there's, there's there's so much of it going on in raiders it's fantastic um, yeah. And some of it is it, it's implied. Well, the melting face is is, is as graphic <laughs> as you can get. You know, he he hit the exploding head, but it was like the exploding head 
what about the melting face? Because that's like awesome. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it's a really good gore effect. Any any horror director would be proud of that effect. Oh um, yeah. You know, the, the guy with the spikes through him and you know uh, Pat Roach going into the propeller is heavily implied. But I've only actually noticed recently on on I don't know how I didn't spot this before, uh, and maybe it's because it's on the 4K that when they run away from the exploding plane at the end, you can see the remains of the Pat Roach character lying on the ground, like the the, the legs. There's like his legs and not much else, and some bits and pieces. So I've never it's, caught it's, that. It's tiny little detail, and it's always, it cuts to a wide shot just as before the plane explodes, and there he are, his little little pair of legs and stuff lying on the ground, all chopped up. <laughs> I love that. I've never caught that. Um, I'm. I mean, I was playing and I'm rewatching Raiders before the new movie, anyways. But I'm going to for sure. It's funny. I've already watched the the first four indie movies um this year just by yeah. happenstance um raiders and last crusade were showing at my local movie theater so i don't oh, miss okay. an opportunity yeah. for that i've you uh, can't possibly opportunity to see them on the big screen yeah and i've never seen last crusade on the on the big screen before raiders generally gets around i feel like like that's a yeah. popular one well, it but, kind of got, it had a re-release a while back as well for the 40th anniversary it had a re-release yeah and- uh, I think that's when I saw it at the IMAX. I saw it on IMAX, which was incredible. But I haven't seen a re-release for the others. Uh, I still think Spielberg's a little bit embarrassed by Temple of Doom, which is, you know, is unnecessary. You know, it's unnecessary. Oh, I agree. I think Temple of Doom oh, is uh, fantastic. <gasps> my dog. <laughs> Aww. I she love them. Be, she likes to be in on the action. Oh, she go? is welcome. I'm always down for uh, <laughs> surprise guests. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I, I agree with Spielberg kind of taking the foot off the gas after Temple of Doom, because Last Crusade is a much lighter film compared oh, to I, Temple I don't, of Doom. I, I don't disagree with him changing the tone for Last Crusade. I think it was the right thing to do. But but to kind of essentially kind of disown Temple of Doom is is seems a bit drastic because it's like it's a great film in its own right. It's just like it's darker middle trilogy. It was, you know, it's it's the Empire Strikes Back of indie movies. It goes yeah. dark for that. And and I know that there was there's some they say there's like reasons for it because Lucas was going through a divorce and stuff like that. And he, he, I think he was getting all his angst out in the movie. But like Spielberg was directing it and he chose to go dark with it. And it was and it's great for it. It was scary as a kid. It had good good scares and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, actually in the UK they cut out the the the, the ripping of the heart. The hand, there was the hand. Oh. It was like one particular shot of the hand going into the stomach, yeah, uh, into the chest. Sorry, and that shot was cut out. I mean, the rest of it, him holding up the heart and it beating and catching fire, that was all in there. Uh, it was just the actual shot of the hand going inside the chest that was cut out in the UK, and something else was cut as well. I can't remember what specifically, uh, but that was the main thing. That was the main thing. So seeing that, it was great seeing that, that it was. It took me till like the DVD or even Blu-ray to actually see that completely for the first time. So that was great. But I like. I, 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 <laughs> I mean, I'm a horror filmmaker, so I like all the yes. dark stuff. <laughs> and the dark stuff, and, you know, uh, is what what makes these films so great for me. You know, as well as everything else. But I mean, I do like. I do like the fact that you know, the best Indiana Jones stuff is focused around kind of mysticism and yes, the supernatural. It's why I, I it's why I didn't really appreciate it when it kind of took went a different way into science fiction was like that's not a sci-fi it's not a it's not a fan it's not a fantasy thing it's not a, a science fiction um you know 
character and franchise it's a it's a it's about mysticism and and things that are not quite of this earth but like are part of our fabric and society so be that religion be it you know um any kind of religion human sacrifices and voodoo and stuff like that it's all stuff that's around but it's not science fiction right so i i which makes me very curious about the new one since it potentially involves time travel of some kind then it's like well how you know we don't know how that works yet but I'm curious, you know, because then then it, then it is going into kind of science fiction territory, which to me is not. It doesn't fit with that world. That's not what Indy's about. He's an archaeologist. He's not a scientist, you know? right? And, and I love the stuff that deals with um, black magic and and uh, godly powers and ghosts and you know the ghosts at the end of Raiders and, and the spirits and things like that. So yeah, that kind of stuff intrigues me more. The power of a magic rock or the you know. All that, all that kind of stuff for the Holy Grail, you know. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, the power well, of God. <laughs> as uh, as uh, Indy eloquently put it when he's explaining to uh, the U.S. government officials what the art can really do, which that's uh, I love that that because it, it's just an exposition scene where he's just explaining w- what we're what the audience is supposed to look out for, but. It, somehow it's still through the writing and the direction and the acting it's still such an engaging scene oh yeah this is it's, it's a huge information dump uh that first scene but it's all really engaging it's all really interesting yeah you know when he says how oh, the ark is capable of leveling mountains and such like and you know an army that carries the ark before it is invincible it's like okay we get the stakes now you know we understand <laughs> this and we understand what it is because like i mean I didn't know what the Ark was before that. I'd never heard of the Ark of the Covenant before that movie came out. When I right. when I first raised the Lost Ark, I thought it was going to be to do with like Noah's Ark or something. Like, <laughs> what, what does it mean? What is it? How does it involve? So uh, yeah, yeah, I, I love all that stuff. And I I was the same way. I didn't know what the Ark of the Covenant was before the movie. And I I went to church every Sunday. I went to Catholic school, so I I read the Bible a couple a handful of times, and I just didn't pick up on it or whatever. I mean, I was also ten, I think, around the same age you were when you first saw Raiders, but you got to see it in the theater. I uh, saw it on a DVD. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just got to see. I saw Raiders in the theater. I think I. I didn't see it when it first came out. I think I saw it on a re-release, but then re-releases gotcha. were like every few months. You know, it was it, it didn't take long for it to come back. Um, so I think I saw it on a re-release, and then when Temple of Doom came out, uh, I was queuing outside the cinema from like seven in the morning, and then the performance didn't start till one o'clock in the afternoon. So it was a, it, it ended up at the front of quite a long queue. Uh, back in the days when we used to queue, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you buy tickets in advance, you had to queue. Which is fun. It was it became kind of a community inside in the queue because we were all there for the same reason because we were all Indiana Jones nuts. So you know, then then Last Crusade came out eighty nine. So I was nineteen at the time and end of the end of the eighties. And you know, I would that that for me that was the year of Last Crusade. It was not yeah. Batman. I was, wasn't bothered about Batman. I was like, yeah, it's the next Indiana Jones film. You know, and then <laughs> and you I, know, I just, sorry. no, no, current current. I was going to say, I think it's funny because there's a movie out well, bringing back Michael Keaton as Batman and Indiana Jones is coming back. So it's a repeat of 89, kind of a rematch of 89, kind of. That's true. Yeah. 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 And thought about that. Wow. Keaton's Batman's back and Indiana Jones is back. Same year. Wow. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) 
something what else happened in 1989 i think it was a lethal weapon film probably <laughs> <laughs> yeah but in you know in terms of of the way that that horror is treated throughout the whole you know the whole franchise i mean it starts off pretty much straight away and once they start going into the caves you know into the temple at the beginning of raiders and it's dark and scary and there's spiders and then there's spikes coming out of the walls and then there's you know all that kind of stuff and a rolling boulder at the end of it i mean you know it it, it plays very much as a as a as a horror kind of adventure uh, yeah. throughout the, you know the guy gets impaled i love i love the beat when um the spikes first come out and the corpse is hanging on the spikes and uh-huh. it's got four corpse on and his head just slowly kind of turns around to look at indy yeah <laughs> and, it's, and, and it's like you, you totally understand that it's just gravity doing its work and yet at the same time it's like is he is the corpse actually turning to look at indy like it could there be some mysticism behind it so i love all that stuff there and then the next thing where we're in nepal and then we go to cairo and things don't start to get a bit more more weird and mystical once once they get into the the world of souls and the ark and yep. then the the, the the snakes again more you know it's dark it's scary it's like a it's a tomb you know it's like the mummy with uh snakes and then as you get towards the finale and, and there's just blood and guts and all people getting <laughs> electrocuted and, and melted and all sorts of stuff like that and it really does hold you know doesn't just doesn't pull any stops there to make it to make it scary and uh, and I love it for it. I always loved it for it. I, I, was, I remember being shocked the first time. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is in, like, a family film. But, you know, Spielberg was kind of pushing the envelope there, and that was great. And then, of course, with the, the second one, he got the whole PG-13 rating. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, was the same here, that they, they, you know, they invented that new rating for the movie here as well. So um, once we adopted the, the PG system for the film, so, yeah, I mean... The guy goes into the rock crusher. Uh, <laughs> I think that know, was yeah. uh, Pat Roach again. It was Pat Roach meets his demise. It was, it was there was a slight disappointment with the third film that, yeah, although Pat Roach is in it very briefly, um, they didn't line up a fight sequence with Pat Roach again. That's just, that was a shame. But uh, you know, so I think the other the other kind of horror beats in the second one, the gory deaths. I mean, the, the stuff that happens to people, which is inherently is really kind of nasty, like the 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 guard who falls on the tracks. From the minecart, and then another minecart comes along and hits him, and flies off the tracks. And it's just like it's just like stuff like that where nasty stuff happens to people. It doesn't yeah. necessarily have to be particularly gory. It's just it's just nasty stuff, and it's kind of it's really cool. <laughs> yeah. So in Last Crusade, yeah. there's the guy who goes on, over the tank tracks, like he falls. Oh yeah, he gets he gets pushed over the front. You know he's going to get run over by the tank, which is like never a good thing. So, <laughs> But it's not right. shown; it's implied. So I, I love that the implication of something really gnarly happening there is so cool. And then people are getting beheaded by the Holy Grail booby traps. Yeah, yeah, they've got a good severed yeah. head rolling across the floor. It's like something out of the Omen. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, that's cool. I I love that sort of thing as well. I gotta ask since. Uh, you're the director of the descent. You know a thing or two about caves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the <laughs> the first like adventure of Raiders of the Lost Ark and a good chunk of Temple of Doom are underground in cave like environments. Did that? Did those two films have any influence on you while you were working on the descent? No, I mean maybe subconsciously. I mean mm-hmm. because neither of them kind of dealt with 
kind of claustrophobia and stuff like that. Right. That I was kind of into. I think it would be nice to have some spiders or something like that in in the cave system or something like that. Maybe I <laughs> uh, couldn't afford those, so I <laughs> couldn't afford to do that as well. As but maybe it's subconsciously like these underground sequences certainly stuck in my mind. I mean, I certainly remember that one of the great images from Raiders is in in the catacombs when Marion turns around and there's this there's a one of the the corpses, the mummies with a snake coming out of its yeah. mouth. Yeah, and it's such a like a disturbing image. And it's it, it's like who came up with that? But it's just like such a cool image with the snake coming out of the map. So I, I just remember those kind of indelible kind of images in my head. But I can't think that the cave specifically resonated when I when I was making descent because there's there's no hidden tombs or booby traps or anything like that. Sadly, I, no worries. I just I just saw a connection and I made it. So I'm <laughs> I'm like raiders have caves. The descent is in the caves. I'll make that connection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I always try and put uh, like little nods or, or winks to some of these films uh, throughout my work, but it can be the tiniest thing of like, yeah. so in Doomsday, they go into this kind of underground archive and they're walking through all these crates and in amongst the crates mm. is, of course, the art crate is is up there and the camera like lingers on it for like a split second. But we got the art department to like recreate it and put the right number on the side and U.S. government property and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so that's that's in there. Other things. Uh, well, I got to work with Paul Freeman on on Centurion. So you know, I got to got to actually work with Belloc. Um, that's I asked, awesome. And, and I asked him about the fly. He's like, you know, no. He said he he said they edited it out. I'm like, <laughs> well, they didn't really. They might have like called cut and you spat the fly out or something but they certainly didn't do any hidden edits you you definitely ate that fly <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he's a lovely guy lovely guy um i just think what else actually in terms of raiders stuff in my movies it's, it's always around there somewhere trying to, it's either trying to get actors in that have been in raiders movies not always successfully where else where else where else definitely the doomsday one i'll have a think about that <laughs> all right if it pops in your mind just let me know because i want to hear all yeah. about it <laughs> something that i love about the indiana jones franchise is in every movie and i will actually be disappointed if the fifth film doesn't have something like this but every movie has this great creature feature sequence and i love monsters and creature features so movies like jaws and um like Anaconda, Alligator, Lake Placid. Those are my kind of movies that I just adore. Yeah. As you heard in the intro, I'm a huge fan of dog soldiers. And <laughs> the creature feature in me just love were werewolf movies. What are your thoughts on the fact that each Indiana Jones, our feelings that each Indiana Jones film has like the snake pit or the bug sequence in Temple of Doom? Yeah, well well, what uh, what he did was, I mean, in a way, I so I did a similar thing with Descent, which is to tap into a human phobia. It's claustrophobia. But what Spielberg did with all of the first three films, at least, was to tap into a few a phobia that we, we we all know somebody who's like terrified of spiders or terrified of snakes. You know, so like the, he gets those ones in, in the first one. Then it's bugs in the second one. And like, you yeah. know, a, a horrendous bug sequence, which is just brilliant. And then rats in the third one. I like yes. how people who are scared of rats. So, like, he covered all the bases in the first three films. When he came to the the Crystal Skull, he did the ants. But the big the big difference was, was that I don't know anybody who's got a phobia of ants, but but there was CG, 
and there were, and it was like CGI ants. And so that that you know all the previous films had been had been the real thing, you know, real snakes, or at least mostly real snakes, some rubber snakes, but mostly real snakes. I mean, you know, the cobra that that goes up in front of India is a real cobra. There's no there's yeah. no cheating. All the snakes that they're interacting with are real snakes. The spiders all over Alfred Molina were real tarantulas, and the rats were real rats, and then the bugs were real bugs. And then suddenly you go to like CG ants, and it's like I know they're CG ants. Uh, so I'm not I'm not bothered by them in any way. Now, okay, he needed them to do something that you couldn't get real ants to do, but that didn't make it, you know, it, it didn't push the same button that uh, that the other ones did in that way. So I, I feel know. that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it, but it, but it certainly was like it's a horror film trope or whatever from him to tap into those those specific phobias was was genius. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. So you just unlock something in my mind just now because i never thought of it as tapping into phobias i always thought of it as like creatures i like those <laughs> my little mini well, creature they, feature <laughs> i think so but they are specific creatures that you know or you know either you have or you know or people who have are afraid of spiders yes. are afraid of rats are afraid of snakes you've definitely encountered somebody who, who has that somewhere along the way i mean there's things like you know obviously people are like afraid of sharks well, he's done that already. So it's like, <laughs> and it might be know, a bit much for Indy to fight a shark. <laughs> yeah. Uh, finding a shark in the middle of an underground tomb seems unlikely. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's that kind of thing. But everything had its kind of place. I think, you know, when they went in the, under Venice, you know, they found the rats there and, you yeah. know, the real rats and stuff. It was, it was great. You know, again, more tombs, more dead people in tombs, which <laughs> in, is inherently like a, a horror film. Kind of trope, which is great, but I love the disrespect that he shows them as well. <laughs> I know he's just throwing them and taking their clothes and using it to yeah. make a torch. <laughs> he doesn't care. Tip the old the old knight or whatever it is out of his coffin. Doesn't matter. Don't need him anymore. So yeah, <laughs> so that's absolutely true. And then uh I think earlier in the because that's Last Crusade. Earlier in the movie, he's talking about like excavation sites and respecting the different sites and then he doesn't listen to his own rules <laughs> no x does mark the spot and yeah oh yeah he's he's well he calls himself he, i think uh, harrison ford said he's he's a grave robber really yeah he's like <laughs> just as a grave robber it's like yeah that's kind of what he is ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's, he's an interesting character because of it oh i agree and there's a lot of interesting characters in the whole franchise not just not just indie, but I want to pivot a little bit to talk about the various villains of oh, yeah. the indie franchise. Because some of them, and I'm thinking specifically of Mola Ram, mm -hmm. uh, some of them are close to horror villains. Mola Ram absolutely is. He's um, scary. <laughs> he's very scary. And he's always lit scary as well. And, yes. you know, he's like something out of a Hammer movie. Like yes. all the time and he he only ever exists underground well it's up to the end he comes out to into the daylight at the end but he could have been like a sort of very vampiric kind of character it's up to that he emerges into the daylight at the end only to get eaten by crocodiles <laughs> but uh yeah i mean he's he's a, he's a he's a great arch villain you know he's the, with the headdress and all of the skulls and everything is like it's a brilliant outfit and he plays it so sinister throughout the whole the the, the, the sac human sacrifice and stuff like that. Oh yeah, there's another one. You know, we get the guy. He gets his heart ripped out. That's one thing. But then he gets dropped into you know lava and set on fire. 
So yeah. you know, another grisly, grisly ending. And I love the fact that when Moro Ram dies, like he doesn't just fall off. He falls and he's like scrapes <laughs> down the wall. Yeah. The sandpaper is like he scuffs down the wall just Ugh. before he goes into the <laughs> It's just those twisted little details that make me love Spielberg in these movies. <laughs> yeah. Who definitely. thinks of that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It works so well. I Because I always think it's like, I know yeah. people say, well, you know, he did. He's kind of like done it with Jaws to a large point. Um, and, you know, if you believe the rumors about Poltergeist, I've heard plenty of stories from both sides. I think his, his hand is very heavily on Poltergeist. But I do believe Doug Cooper, you know, was there on set directing it. I think that uh, Spielberg, you know, was certainly influential in a big way. But I still, I, I can't. Part of me is like, I wish Spielberg would just do a straight out horror film because somebody who, no, who's who has such control of what he's making, like he's he knows filmmaking instinctively, like he just knows what works and what doesn't work. You know, that, yeah, that's why he is a, a genius. That's why he's almost entirely unique to see him apply that that thinking to a horror film you know it'd be up there with like kubrick doing the shining um yeah maybe maybe less esoteric but um in terms of controlling the audience and manipulating them in such a way surely spielberg could do like an incredible horror film because he's always shown like a proclivity towards that with things like all the grizzly deaths in the indiana jones films yeah and and jaws obviously and um, you know, other there's other beats in his films. I always think like the the abduction of Barry in Close Encounters is like yeah. a terrifying sequence, and it's got it makes you know it doesn't really have anything to do with the UFOs and what they're doing of why they can unscrew um, these you know the screws in the floor. How they somehow these little aliens can unscrew these screws, and make them fall out, and then this glowing lights and stuff like that. It plays totally like a haunted house film. Uh, yeah. you know, and they just they they kidnapped the boy at the end. But I remember seeing that first time, and I was terrified in that sequence. I was just like, Jesus! If you made a horror film, it would be incredible. So, and I I agree. Jurassic Park is another one. He's yeah. like he's put elements of horror into his films, but not made an out and out horror film. And that's what I like to say. And I totally I totally agree with everything you just said because like Jurassic Park, um, that's my favorite movie of all time. Raiders is second. <laughs> so I have a huge uh, bias towards Spielberg, but Jurassic Park is like the movie that influenced me ever since I can remember. And it's one of those movies that that are like, I think that's a movie that made me love horror. Yeah. Because I was three years old when I watched Jurassic Park. I wasn't going to watch um, A Nightmare on Elm Street when I was three years old or something like that. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> But I think Jurassic well, Park, he, had, he, yeah. Well, he did a very clever thing there, which is because they're they're animals. They're not monsters. It's like it's right. they're, they're animals and they're behaving like animals. There, and so he could do all this like horrific stuff on the basis that this is nature. This is not yeah. horror. It's nature doing its thing. Yes, it's horrific, but it ain't horror. It's nature. And you know, as, as anybody who's watched any nature documentaries, you know that nature is just about the most horrific thing going. Um, <laughs> but. So he was he could able you have people getting their arms ripped off and bitten bitten in half by a T Rex and stuff like that. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, it's nature. That's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that squeezing those horror elements in there was genius. Yeah. And, you know, again, the the T Rex attack on the car is 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 a terrifying sequence. Oh yeah, and the raptors in the kitchen. 
Like that's such a great uh, yeah. piece. The Raptors in the Kitchen. It plays like some kind of slasher movie. It could be yeah. Michael Myers, you know, but it's two Raptors and and you got the guy getting the the, the spit um, in Edry when he gets spat on and stuff like that. Yeah, it could be like something out of an alien movie. You know, it's like it's so surreal. So I gotta yeah, show you definitely... real quick. I got this little li- this little guy right here. <laughs> that is very cool. <laughs> Very cool. Does it spit? <laughs> uh not yet. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. Gremlin on the wall behind you. I see a Mogwai behind you as well. And he and Spielberg had his hand on that. Now that's one hundred percent Joe Dante. I don't think there's any Spielberg directed Gremlins bullshit out there. No, but, no, no. Uh, but, but he produced it, and yeah, I know that it was it was toned down a little bit because it was going to be more horrific. It was going to be played. More oh straight. yeah. It was gonna be uh, not. PG. I think that was, <laughs> yeah. I think that was Joe Dante's hand more than anything else. It was like because Chris Columbus's original script was really dark. And yeah. I think Dante like you know changed that a little bit with Spielberg probably just to make it a bit more family friendly. But it still goes dark. You know, it's still they catapulted an oh, old yeah. lady out the window and <laughs> stuff like that. You know, so it's, it's still prepared to go dark, and I, I like that. That 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 whole feeling of these kind of films is is akin to me to you know kids reading the grim fairy tales. Yes, they they were meant to taught. They were meant to be scary because they were intended to teach a lesson, usually a moral lesson or you know an ethics lesson or something like that, an important lesson that they did. But they did it because they knew that if they scared the kids, they'd remember it, and it works. And so that that kind of attitude was quite prevalent in kids' films. Were allowed to be quite scary that uh, back then. You know, Bambi's terrifying. You know, and oh yeah, some of the Disney stuff goes dark, and Pinocchio goes dark as well um what Spielberg did with et and you know traumatizing kids but at the same time filling them with with emotion and hope so you know i i, I like that kind of attitude i i i don't watch a lot of kids movies these days but i'm guessing they're a lot more watered down than they used to be like everybody's afraid of like scaring their kids or offending their kids or you know anything that might be a bit too risque but you know kids love that kids oh yeah actually, we loved it kids like reading books they want to you know, if you don't allow them to see that kind of stuff within the safe context of like a Spielberg film, well, you know, it's going to go, okay, it might go a little bit scary, but it's ultimately quite safe. Then they're not going to get traumatized for life. They're not going to, you know, nothing terrible is going to happen. They just might be scared for a little while. And that's no bad thing. It's like putting, you know, kids going on roller coasters. You get scared for a while and then you get off. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, I mean, there's a reason. Yeah. Denying that and making everything watered down and safe is is i don't think that's a good thing um yeah it's i think it's like it's not giving the kids a full range of you know reactions to things oh i agree and i think that's why it's important that growing up um because i'm a little younger than you but i still had like scooby-doo um scooby-doo always found the monsters Mm -hmm. and the monsters were scary i um when i was growing up there was those live action adam's family and that goes into the gothic there's the monsters I was about to say the classic Universal monsters I grew up watching, but they those weren't coming out during either of our childhoods. Those are both much older than us. But um, I, no, absolutely. But uh, we had but the VHS. They were, uh, yeah, they were the first kind of memories I ever have of seeing a horror film was like my dad showing me, you know, The Bride of Frankenstein when it was on TV, and and me just being absolutely. I must have been about five, maybe younger. I don't know, five or something like that, yeah. and and. Uh, I was hooked. I was just like, "This is incredible," you know. I was sc- I was scared, but at the same time, I was I was just entranced. Couldn't take my eyes off it 
of like this is the gothic feel of it and i think after that i was in love with monsters after that and and all i wanted was like to get drawings of monsters or read about monsters or learn about monsters see films read books all that yes. kind of stuff I, I became a monster fanatic which was totally translated into my work <laughs> oh like, yes <laughs> love a good, i still love a great monster movie you know um, oh yeah the, something inherently satisfying about a good monster movie and i i totally agree well i i love monsters so much that's uh that's something i'm working towards right now is making my own monster movies but um but i gotta say talking about kids today i do think i think it's weird because there's not a lot of kids media that go into these darker places but then there are a lot of kids out there that are like, oh, we love Pennywise. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, because they've got access to it. They can see it if they yeah. want to see it. So the um, kids the kids are fine. I just think we need to be making more media, uh, horror media for kids. Yeah, I think so. Because they're going to watch it anyways. <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's, it's always a fine line of like, you don't yeah. want them to see so much of the stuff they become immune to it. That you know, then 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 they become desensitized at an early age, which is which would be a shame, but just enough to like that they can you know have a little thrill because that that's kind of all this stuff is. It's just like a, a the visual equivalent of a roller coaster, or going right. to a theme park. Like you know, have that little excitement, get your blood flowing, and then uh, you're back to back to safety. You know, you go home afterwards, um, and that's that's no bad thing. When I was ten years old, my mom took me to see. Steven Spielberg's remake of uh, War of the Worlds. Right. And, and that's another Spielberg movie that deals a lot with horror and it's science fiction and it's thriller. It, that movie's a, a lot of his movies are a bunch of different genres. But yeah. for me at 10 years old, that was a horror movie. <laughs> it was. And it goes it goes really dark. I mean, it, yeah. it's very dark. The bodies floating by on the river and stuff like that. Um, you know, <laughs> some real incredible kind of imagery in that film. Um, but yeah, he doesn't hold back. Um, when he wants, he wants it to be scary. My mom it's had to so talk me into pretty intense. My mom had to talk me into seeing the film, and she's just so you know, it's just a slightly more intense ET. <laughs> <laughs> and so, that yeah, wasn't the, a lie. <laughs> yeah, it's a more intense ET. Sure, this is <laughs> this is bad, bad ET. But the the moment that I found the scariest in that film was it's when they're they're inside the car and the crowd gather around the car yeah trying to get into the car and then they start smashing the windows and the crowd you know and that that mob mob mentality that is scarier than any monster you know the, oh, yeah. the, the human mentality when they go nuts uh and they he handled that and, and and um the girl and it's you know when she's screaming and stuff like that it's just that's a really intense scary moment um, the image for very different reasons the imagery that sticks in my head from that scene is when that guy um, is using his bare hands to pull apart the window yeah. and you can see the blood on the glass because he's cutting his hands to get in. Yeah, it's like, a, I mean, that's like something out of a, a World War Z or something. That's like a zombie yeah. film kind of. So this guy's so desperate to get in the car. He's just ripping his hands to shred on the glass. I mean, it's incredible imagery. And then just scary, like the truth of like what humans will do when they're in that state of mind. That's uh, yeah, that kind of stuff. But again, it's like if you could apply this thinking to actually just a out and out horror film, I'd I'd be queuing to see that for sure. So Steven Spielberg, if you're listening, now's the time. <laughs> yeah, get it done. Get it done. We know you have one last nightmare in you. So 
release it for the, all the world to see and scare the yeah. shit out of everyone. <laughs> make, it, make it for your kids. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. I want to bring it back to Indy for a little bit. Uh, we talked about Mola Ram, and I think he's the, uh, I think he's the most, not the scariest villain, but the most horror of the villains, if that makes sense. Because yeah, the absolutely. scariest villains are Nazis, because those are real and scary in real life. But one specific one in Raiders is, um, I believe his name is Arnold Tote. Yes. He is yeah. iconic. Like, I love he's, him so much. I, I know I hate him so much that I kind of love him, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, he's he's the first kind of the arch villain. Yeah. like Bellox, Bellox is the, the, the suave villain. And the other Nazis are just kind of regular villains. And he's kind of the arch villain because he's he's evil. Like, you know, he's evil. He dresses yeah. in black. You know, he's black leather, he's got glasses, and he's, you know, and he comes with his burnt hands and stuff like that. So he's kind of the, the evil one. And yeah, they came close, you know, Moloram was the, the equivalent. And the next film, they didn't really do that in the third film. There isn't really the, no. the kind of dastardly arch villain. There's plenty of villains, but none of them yeah. are quite so, so arch in that way. And then there wasn't really any, I, I, I can't think of, like, who was the villain in, in those? Oh, it was Kate Blanchett, wasn't it? Well, yeah. definitely not arch. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> The haircut was the scariest thing, I think. So. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're so here's hoping Mads Mikkelsen can bring it back to the scary for us. Well, he's an excellent villain. Um, having worked with him as Hannibal, I know he, he can deliver the goods as a villain. <gasps> That's right. So, I, yeah, I didn't think about that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I knew you did an episode, uh, a couple episodes of Hannibal. So I don't know what I was thinking, but yeah, I think he's going to do a good job, though. Oh, I can't wait to see him. I think he'll kill it. I think he's going to be great. I mean, if he can't do Dastardly Villain, I don't know who can. Like, he's going to be great. They definitely picked the right person. Yeah. And to talk about Mads Mikkelsen for a second, that guy must be having a great time playing because I think he's played bad guys in Star Wars, Marvel, obviously Hannibal. Well, he wasn't the bad guy in Star Wars, but he was in Star Wars. I just think that's fun. (laughs) Uh, I mean... Yeah, Indiana Jones, Star Wars. He's been in the Marvel movie. Yeah, uh, you know he's he's done a lot, and and I think he likes doing this. He'll do like a few of these big ones, and then he'll go back and and do something really kind of strange and interesting, like Riders of Justice or whatever back home, which is like mm-hmm. an incredible film. And and it's always interesting to see what he's going to do next because I mean he's just he is a great actor. As simple as that. Yes, he was fantastic, yeah. and um, I think it was another round. He he was nominated for an uh, Academy Award in that one, I believe, and he was fantastic in that. Great, Amazing. fantastic in everything, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've not seen him do, any, but he was great in Bond as well. He's you know one of the great Bond villains. That's the one I was. That's the one I was like, I know there's one I'm missing. That's the one I was missing. Uh, um, yes, Casino Royale, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is yeah, yeah. amazing. So I, like I'm, I just met Martin Campbell for the first time this afternoon, so I should know. <gasps> That film should have been on the tip of my tongue, you know. <laughs> That's incredible. I love that. But yeah, I'm I'm excited for him at the very least. Uh, I'm who am I kidding? I'm just very excited for the new film. It's all I can think about at the moment. And uh, when are you when are you seeing it? I'm seeing it on Thursday. I got my oh, tickets. Too. I got yeah. a bunch of friends. I um I basically have a whole row bought out 
for me, my family, and my friends. <laughs> oh, wow, that's great. I didn't buy the whole row, but I did buy like five or six tickets for my my fellow, uh, you know, Indiana Jones nut. So there's like a, a few guys who are all kind of yeah. similar age to me, and we're all going to go, and we're going to watch the movie and then go for a drink afterwards to hopefully to to praise it and, and say what a great experience it was and not to drown our sorrows. <laughs> <laughs> Well, either way, you you'll all be together. At least we're not doing this alone. <laughs> this is true. This is true. We can it'll be like a support network. We'll see how it goes. I mean, the last time that we did it was for Top Gun, and that that they, you know, that 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 was amazing. So yeah, I was very very happy coming out of that one. <laughs> very very. I I gotta say, I was not terribly excited for the new Top Gun film. I wasn't a big. I'm the the first movie's good, but I didn't really connect with it. You know what I mean. And I saw the, no, movie. the same. It's exactly the same thing. Top Gun yeah. was a, a movie. It was from fine. The 80s. Yeah, it was fine. It was a yeah. it was a visual good movie from the eighties. It's, it's it's Tony Scott who I like. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I wasn't that bothered about the love story thing, but the rest of it was like it was good. It was so solid. It was entertaining, but it was not something I was going to lose sleep over. It's like exactly. It's, like it, it's you know this 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 Indiana Jones, which is like defined my life and my career, and then this Top Gun, which is a film I happened to watch in the eighties. It's like, yeah. that's it. And so going to see Top Gun 2, I went in with a very open mind of like, well, I'm not expecting much. And it delivered the goods like 10 times over. It was like phenomenal. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was basically like Star Wars, but whatever. <laughs> you know, nobody's, and, nobody, nobody's like, they ain't kidding anybody that it was basically just Star Wars. Yeah. So it's like, I like the fact that it was Star Wars. <laughs> and it's like, sometimes you just don't overthink it. Yeah. Just do the simple thing and do it well, and you make a kick-ass film. <laughs> yeah, and do it very, very well. Yeah. Yes. So that was that was a great time. I'm hoping Indy Five is a great time. I'm telling myself, you know what? I don't I don't like um, trash talking other films on um, my podcast because I'm not about I'm not a movie critic. That being said, I was not a big fan of the last Jurassic World movie. Uh, no, and... yeah, I was a massive fan of any of the Jurassic World movies. <laughs> um, to me, there's only one, it's Jurassic Park, and, and that's you know, nothing else has come close. Um, uh, yeah, that's really that's definitely true. Even, even you know, Lost World, which is also a Spielberg thing, it's like, yeah, it's just not as good as Jurassic Park, though. You know? I gotta but say, I'm a huge fan of Lost World, but I'm also aware of the fact that. I was five when I, or four or five when I first saw The Lost World. So <laughs> I was three when I saw the first movie. So I'm yeah, going to be biased so much, so much, the first two. So much can hinge on when you saw it and how you saw yes. it the first time, for sure. What, so like, what do you think about the fact that Spielberg isn't doing Indy 5? Like, what, you know, when it was announced that some, he wasn't doing it, then Mangold was doing it, like, well, how did you feel about that? Well, that is the cause the cause for my cautiousness, because I think earlier we both said we were cautiously optimistic. I I think I'm more optimistic than I am cautious, but I don't know. There's just something about Spielberg where it's like, well, he's Spielberg. Yeah. No matter he who you bring in, it's not going to be Spielberg. That's like that's true. Like, but then um, you know, then 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 I saw Crystal Skull and was like, eh. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> and even Lost so, World, uh, to your point, like, well, yeah, um, Lost World. I don't, I don't think Lost World is a terrible film. It just, it isn't no. as good as Jurassic Park. It's not, it's, it's not, not Jurassic film. Park. There's a lot to like about it, but uh, and there's some incredible sequences in it for sure. 
but when I heard when I first heard the news, I was I was actually kind of like relieved. Okay. Which I thought I which I never thought I'd ever say. I was kind of like, okay, the guy who's doing Logan is going to do it instead of of the guy who did Crystal Skull. Okay, I'm on board with this. Um, and, and I just watched uh, Ford v Ferrari or Le Mans. That's a fantastic or, film. Uh, which is an amazing film. I was like, this this guy's in charge. Great, we're in good hands. We'll see. I mean, we will see. But like, I and I felt guilty. I felt bad that I was kind of like, you know, glad that Spielberg wasn't doing it because I was just so disappointed in Crystal Skull. Yeah, N- namely the second half of it. The first half has some great first, moments. The yeah, the warehouse chase and the chase through the uh, the college campus. It's good, but then as soon as they leave and they go down to South America, South America, something happens to that movie, and I just I almost like lose interest. And I think part of it is to do with the fact that unlike the other movies, you know, the third one went to you know the first one went yeah. to Egypt or Tunisia, you know, it was Tunisia, it was like it was all over the place, but it would, they filmed in the desert. The second one went to Sri Lanka, they filmed there. The third one went to uh, Jordan and Spain, and they filmed in the desert there. And then with Crystal Skull. They filmed on some locations in the states, and then it looks like the rest of the film was done on a soundstage. Yeah, and it doesn't, you know, it, it's the whole thing looks like it. And they never left California, and for an Indiana Jones film, that was kind of like a crime, you know. That right. it, it should it should always have felt like it was filmed on location in places like they did the first ones, and not felt not in a soundstage, not on a green screen studio or a. Uh, you know something else uh, uh, like a VR kind of place is like even because the, the the car chase, the truck chase in Crystal Skull. I don't know why they did film it, but it looks like it was filmed on a soundstage. It looks like it, it's visual effects heavy. It doesn't yeah. feel like I'm in a jungle on a road somewhere, and the whole thing looks so shiny and polished and clean and 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 contrived. Every shot in it that just feels like it's had, you know, the effects guys have just been working on every single shot in the film, and that it lost that the rawness the the of the first three films with Dougie Slocum's photography and how they felt like they were dusty and in the desert and and flies and you know it had that beauty about it. That was that was a big thing for me. So I'm like hoping to God that this film looks and feels like it's actually. I don't know they did shoot it on location around the place, so yeah. let's hope it feels like it was shot on location in various parts of the world that would be a big thing for me i gotta say real quick because i think uh you saying all that just uh made something click in my brain i rewatched kingdom of the crystal skull not too long ago i think about a week and a half ago maybe two weeks ago and when i first saw crystal skull that was my first midnight premiere i was uh i think i was 2008 i was 14 uh, 13 or 14 at the time. So it was my first midnight premiere. It's my first Indiana Jones movie in theaters. And I loved it when I first saw it. It was uh, me and my mom and she took me to the premiere and everyone was like big Indiana Jones. It was a packed theater. The movie itself, I thought I loved because of that experience. And now looking back, I'm like, maybe I just love the experience. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I've had that um, before. I don't hate the movie or anything like that. I don't think it's as bad as a lot of people, especially in 2008 and 2000, like at that time made it out to be. I think some people were just ruthless to it. That doesn't mean I think it's good, but I don't think it was the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> anyway, because people are going to bad day is still better than most people on their best day. So you right. know, you're dealing with something else there. Um, no, I think it has great moments in it. 
And you know, I think Harrison Ford came out of it well. I think he he gave it yeah. he gave it all. Um, I like Karen Allen in it. I like Karen Allen in it. I like the fact that she is in it. But yeah. I think certain certain extraneous characters like John Hurt's character was kind of like right, kind of annoying. And then um and and uh, Ray Winston's character was just so annoying. Like I really yeah. liked it. I could have just lost him completely. Like did <laughs> did not need that character. Um the crossing and double crossing was just like, oh whatever. <laughs> but and like, yeah. And, yeah, you know, it's yeah. I, you know, I can nitpick about it. Um right. but as I say, I, you know, ultimately the same rule applies to that film as will apply to the new one. It's like, um, I'm not the same person I was when I saw Raiders, and I, I, I yeah. can't see it through those eyes anymore. So maybe if I was was younger and I saw Crystal Skull, I would, I would love it in a totally different way. But right. I'm old, old and jaded and cynical now. And you know, and, I've, and, I've, <laughs> I've, and I saw the greatest movie of all time when I was 11 years old, and nothing else has come close. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. I And I co- that's why I'm like, that's another reason why I'm cautious, um, because I I think James Mangold is a fantastic director and filmmaker, and I think he uh, he's a brilliant choice for this. And then uh, I'm also I, like, I mean, I can't think of a, a better choice based right. on his other work and what he's done. And we know, like, as I because I really enjoyed uh, Night and Day, which kind of yeah. got really kind of shit on by the critics and stuff like that. But I I really like that film. I got a soft spot for that movie. And it's got some great action sequences in it throughout, but all his other stuff, you know, the list of his films just like is just yeah. great film, great film, great film, great film, uh, great performances. So, you know, I'm just I'm just curious, just very curious to see what's what's going to be like. Well, I'm curious because, like I said, when Crystal Skull came out, I was 13, 14. Now I'm 28, and I'm like, am how am I going to react to the new indie film? Because I'm no longer a kid. I'm still young. But I'm also an a, a actual adult now. <laughs> yeah, and you've probably seen a lot more films, and you know, yeah, absorbed so much more, and and you see the world through different eyes. Yeah, it happens. It's that's life. But at the end of the day, I I don't think I'm going to lose any sleep over the quality of the new film because Raiders will still be one of the greatest movies ever made. It will. That's not going to change. It's still there. I can yeah. still watch it any one. One of the greatest pleasures in life is is introducing it to people who haven't seen it before. You know, yes. finding people who've never seen it before, and then you're gonna watch it with them and vicariously kind of like rediscover the movie through new eyes. It's that's a cool thing to do. And uh I remember the first time I saw Raiders, it was with my grandpa. My mom got the DVD set for her birthday because my mom loves the indie movies too, but yeah. she let me borrow them. And she let me watch Raiders with my grandpa so we could watch it together. And we're watching the movie, the scene where Indy hops on the submarine to my mom's like, hey, stop the movie. We got to go. I'm like, what do you mean? There's only there's like (laughs) 20 minutes of the or 15 minutes of the movie. I need to know how it ends. This is one of the best movies I've ever seen. She goes, well, just take it home. So so I did. And um, growing up, I had a tv in my own room so as soon as we got home i like ran to my room i put the dvd in the player i put it on and i was not prepared for the for the for what was to come (laughs) melting faces and uh heads blowing up (laughs) and i came and i came out of my room i was like I was not prepared for that. And I my th- if I remember correctly, my mom's kind of giggling to herself because she knew what she knew what was coming. <laughs> yeah. 
Awesome. And it's awesome. been one of my favorite movies ever since. Yeah. Well, I'm right there with you. So this has been awesome. It's about that time. So normally on this show, I ask uh, the guest when they pick their favorite horror or monster, when you pick, like, say, the alien or Michael Myers, would you die? Obviously, Indiana Jones is the greatest movie hero. So mm-hmm. if you're with him, you would survive. But and I'm coming up with this question on the spot. What do you think would happen if Indiana Jones was placed in your film, Dog Soldiers? <laughs> uh, I think he'd probably get on with the guys. I think, you know, he'd blend in with the guys and join in with the fight against the werewolves. I think that's what he'd do. I think trying to figure out some way that he could use his whip against the werewolves. That's the thing. <laughs> so, and, you know, Indy is smart. He knows all sorts of cultures. And I think he'd be able to figure out that werewolves are real pretty quick, even if he didn't believe in werewolves. <laughs> I think so. I think I think he'd figure out the origins of the werewolves. That's what he'd do. He'd figure out why you know, why are they werewolves and where did they come from. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think that's a great answer. And I'm really glad that I just came up with that question on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I could see I could see him in, in that and yeah, I could see him in with the in with the soldiers mucking in. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for uh, joining me today. And thanks for um, what do you got coming up that you want people to know about? Well, I mean, uh, I'm trying to think in the States because like the Lair is coming out in the UK on Blu-ray. I don't know when it's coming out. It might be coming out in the, the, the US on Blu-ray unless it's already out on Blu-ray in the US. And I've got a new movie called Duchess, which is a gangster movie, uh, but also has some some moments of, of gore and violence and stuff in it because all my movies do. But we we haven't got a release date for that yet, but we're, 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 it's, all, it's all finished. It's ready to go. We're just... We're in the process of selling it. Gotcha. Once you got, once you guys get through that process, I'll do my part and I'll share as much as I can. Well, thank you very much. That'd be much appreciated. Cheers. Thank you so much for being on today. This was awesome. It's just a pleasure to talk writers, you know. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Thanks again to Neil for joining me and talking about Indiana Jones, one of my favorite things in the world. I would like to thank Janine Pipe for helping make this possible by bringing two Indiana Jones super fans together. She's an awesome filmmaker in her own right, and if you don't already follow her on Twitter, you should. A reminder, I just became an affiliate for Fangoria, one of the premier brands in horror. I definitely recommend checking out their magazine and even subscribing. And if you decide to do that, don't forget to use the promo code WouldYouDieShow for 20% off your entire order. Another reminder, if you like my show and want even more Would You Die goodness, feel free to sign up for my Patreon. Any support is greatly appreciated. Link is in the show notes. Don't forget, we are in the middle of our Spider short film Indiegogo campaign. It would mean the world to me if you checked out the page, contributed, and shared with everyone you knew. Check out the show notes for the link in the campaign. On this segment of I Know What You Watched Last Week, in which I tell you about the horror films I watched last week, I watched... Two-Headed Shark Attack, The Meg, Camp Murder, and Knights of Badassdom. Two-Headed Shark Attack is one of those sci-fi original... I don't know if it's actually a sci-fi original, but it has the vibe of a sci-fi original. Shark movies done for quick for a cheap buck, and it's exactly what you think it is, for better or for worse. The Meg is actually... I've never seen The Meg before. If you're a patron, you'll hear all about my thoughts on The Meg 
in the July episode because we're doing sharks. So I recommend that. But cliff notes of my thoughts on the Meg. It might be my second favorite shark movie ever. I mean, recency bias is giving it the edge over Deep Blue Sea, but that they're neck and neck for me. Obviously, nothing compares to Jaws, but the Meg was awesome. I really enjoyed it. Camp Murder is a 2022 indie slasher made by Josh Brazura, who's also from my hometown, so that's crazy to me. Super talented. He made a 80s slasher in the 2020s, and it's exciting to see. So, I was very happy to watch. I was very happy it was actually pretty good. <laughs> I was going to be biased towards it no matter what. You got to love hometown connections. And then I watched Knights of Bad Aston, which is a 2013 Joe Lynch film about LARPers fighting a demon. And it's, it's one of those, it's got the 2000s humor, but it has a lot of heart and a great cast. Danny Pudi, Peter Dinklage, Summer Glau, Steve Zahn. Like, there's more people that I got to think of, but it, that was a fun time. You can find the show's social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Woody Die Show. Also, now you can follow me on TikTok at Woody Die Podcast, where it's become mostly shit posts at Gizmo dancing to random music, I find. You can find the Woody Die YouTube show on the Three Wise Men Media YouTube channel, where you can also find professional wrestling, trailer reviews, and much, much more. The music you hear in the beginning and end of each episode is composed by my friend, Josie Palmer. Next week, I have a filmmaker friend of mine join me to talk about his latest film and the craft of filmmaking. It's a fun one. Until next time, I'm Austin Torres. Try not to die.